What's happening, everybody? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have husband, father, the head coach of Cal Lou, former head coach of Crespi and multiple other schools. Just um, one, Calabasas. Cal just one, Calabasas. Just, just one other head coach. Just one other head coaching. I only coach at schools that start with the letter C. Oh, wow. Calabasas, Crespi, When Cal I start Lou, my head coaching career, Chaminade. I don't know what letter it would be. That's I'm coming game. for core prep next. <laughs> hey, Oklahoma <laughs> will take you. Russell White. What's up, man? Thank Thanks you for, for coming me. on the show. Absolutely. We'd love to start this show off with the wall of hoop movies. Your favorite hoop movie of all time and why? Don't even have to look, but it's Hoosiers. Uh, age, I'm, I'm probably aging myself, but I remember where I watched it the first time. I remember where I was. I remember how it made me feel. I still enjoy watching it uh, whenever it comes on. Uh, love it. Yeah, no, I, love it, it. I think what's amazing is uh, Gene Hackman's acting because I don't think he really likes basketball like that, does he? No, you actually do the... Speaking of podcasts, there's a podcast called The Rewatchables. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Bill Simmons' company does it, Ringer. Okay. And they pick great movies from the past, and they basically dissect it for 90 minutes. And they did Hoosiers, and they talked about how Gene Hackman took the gig reluctantly, thought it was going to suck. <laughs> it was just had no, you know, didn't care. And was when it was over, he's like, I'm out. Thank God that's over. And it just, obviously, it's... It's a classic. It's, it's it's the basketball it's, movie, it's right? Unbelievable. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. My, how my, they took him. My, right along with that, in 1997, I went to the Indianapolis Final Four with a bunch of buddies. We're coaching the Chaminade, and the like. The slam dunk and the three point contest was at Butler, mm -hmm. which is where they filmed the championship game. Okay. For that movie, so we get in there and it, everyone's gone. We got there late, but we all grab a ball and we just go right into the. Two dribble, one dribble, crossover, pull up, <laughs> game winner. Uh, great memories. That's I, I don't even have to look, man. Uh, what Easy. else is up there? It doesn't matter. Love it. Hoosiers. Love it. Hoosiers it is. Um, and that brings me, you said, you remember where you were when you first watched that movie. Um, where were, or let me ask this, when did you fall in love with basketball? <sighs> That's a great question. I don't... Out the womb. I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> Out the womb. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I grew up, you know, baseball was my love, you know, in the, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, it was baseball cards galore. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved a lot. You know, sometimes you miss seasons because you're moving. Uh, I, I bowled. I did a lot of bowling growing mm -hmm. up because there was a bowling alley on every base. Um, I would say in high school, I... I kind of focused on it, and then you, when I got to college and really, you know, Mike Dunlap was my coach, and I saw what a, I just saw the whole thing. You know, my high school program was pretty average, mm -hmm. um, and I get to college and I watch a coach build a program. I mean, we got there, the year before I got there, we were 5-21. and 21. Wow. My senior year, we were no more than the nation for Division three. had nothing to do with me, but I watched that transition. I watched that. I watched that move, and I think that's when I got truly passionate about it and figured out I wanted to coach. Oh, that's awesome. So you knew playing in college that you wanted to coach yes. one day. Did you start that transition as a player, kind of, in, in any type of way? So my junior year, I decided not to play because I knew I wasn't going to play. I knew I wasn't good enough at that point. 
and I got, I actually got hired at TO High School right down the street from Kalu, and I coached, I was an assistant coach for the soft frosh team oh, nice. my junior year. And then my senior year, I decided to play again, but Kalu has a JV team, so I actually, I was a senior playing JV in college, had a great time. Our team was really, really good. And uh, as soon as I graduated, uh, an assistant at Kalu got hired at Chaminade mm. to be the head coach. And then he brought me on as the uh, freshman coach. Nice. And he brought on Brian Cantwell, who's now the head coach at Chaminade. Yeah. He brought him on as the JV coach. And Brian's been at, Brian's been at Chaminade since 1994, which is Whoa, crazy. I did not about. know that. Yeah, I, mean, I we, knew he's been there forever. We but... graduated from Kalu and got hired at Chaminade. No, it's been awesome to hear the, the basketball ties. You, Cantwell, um, Jeff Dunlap. I know there's um, mm-hmm. you guys used to work his camps. Yep. And then... Um, I forget who else is in there's, that there's, whole tree. Like you're, yeah, you're that coaching tree. Is that what do you? I know you have your own coaching tree at this point. Where did you come from? A coaching tree as well. I, Mike Dunlap. Dunlap. Okay. Yeah. So. Mike Dunlap was my. Is that's who I found my passion. I learned what a really good coach does. Um, that's that's where it started for sure. That's awesome for sure. Man. And then transitioning, so you're at Chaminade, um, then over to Crespi. So. No, 1999, I left I Chaminade. I was, a, I was a freshman coach for four years, JV coach for one, varsity Got assistant it. the whole time. I was a teacher there. 1999, I got hired at Calabasas. Calabasas, okay. Um, and stayed there until 2006. Got it. And we had a player, uh, your, your, your Valley legends will remember the name Drew Hausman. Okay. Who, yeah. who, as a freshman, was about 5'2", 95 pounds, and started and was a monster. And then really? he ended up going to Harvard, played overseas in Israel. Oh, wow. Uh, he, was, he was the first, like, Division One player I coached. Um, it was just a... Uh, How tall did he end up being? He got, I think he got to 6'1", maybe, oh, nice. six foot, but... Just the headiest player, super skilled, winner, like, just yeah. was a dude. First guy, first time I really coached a guy that knew what it took and knew how to win. Yeah. And then seven years at Calabasas, and then I got hired at Crespi in 06. And there for thir- 12 years. 13 years. 13 years, yeah. 06 to 19, and then in 2019 I went home with yeah. Galu. Man, that's awesome. So, um, you know, you're probably most well-known for your time at Crespi um, being – making the playoffs 12 out of 13 of those years, yep. I believe. Uh, seven section and seven state appearances, two CIF titles, two state titles. Like, you say so, you, yeah. I mean, yeah, the titles for sure. I remember those, but the playoff appearances and all that stuff, I don't. A I don't lot. Know. You were in the playoffs yeah, a we, lot. We, yeah, we had, <laughs> we had a lot of success, and we'll caveat that with a lot of good players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think players. that's a... A key that people miss is like, yeah, you can always be a good coach. You have to have the players and, and the Definitely. system and, and all those you, things. Good coaches cannot win with bad players. Wow. Yeah. Bad coaches can win with good players. 100%. And you had, you had some good ones. Very good. <laughs> you, had, you said you seen somebody, you saw uh, Coach Dunlap come in and change a program, mm-hmm. that the culture builder, and, and you could see it in what you done, what you did at Crespi and now what you're doing at Kalu. Uh, what are, you say, three factors that every coach should look to uh, build as a foundation coming into a new program, trying to build it up? I think every coach needs to find their own you know, three things, if you will. I know we've, I've always focused on hard work, uh, 
fundamentals and then however you want to put it, you know, culture's a, a, uh, uh, what's that? There's a, a fancy term I'm looking for, but it's a very popular term these days, culture, mm -hmm. culture, culture, but camaraderie, building a group. So fundamentals, hard work, mm -hmm. building a group that enjoys being together. I mean, that's, you go back to my time at Calu and your foundation, we all have our foundations as a coach from somewhere and going to Calu, I was a, I was a bit player, like literally six games in three years. Um, I was a non-factor, and but my time there, the friends that I made, the teammates that I had, they're still my guys to this day, and that's really important to me. So that's something I really try and build. Everywhere we go, we we try and do stuff, do a lot of stuff outside of basketball, so that those bonds are created. It's not just hoops, um, and then the the fundamentals and and the work ethic, those are obviously pivotal to anything we do. You know, if you want to be a great podcaster, you got to do your research. You got to put yeah. the work in. You got to know what's going on. You, you can't just show up and do it. If you're going to be good at anything, you got to put the work in. And, and then the fundamentals just lay lay it down. We always can, you know, the, what the SEALs, the SEALs say, you revert to your, uh, you don't revert to your highest level of training. You revert to your lowest level of training. Mm -hmm. And if your fundamentals are rock solid, you're gonna be fine. And so I, I, what are the fundamentals? I, I, this, yeah. I, I think because they've, I, you know, yeah, they've changed question. or they, I think. Yeah. But I always say this: basketball is the same. The spacing has changed, and the skill level of of kids have changed. So certain things have maneuvered, but the foundation of basketball. What what does fundamentals well, mean? What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about passing the ball, catching the ball, yeah. moving without the ball, setting a good screen. Uh, Defensive positioning, defensive communication, those are the things, you know, and other people have asked me this too, when we were successful at Crespi, we, we obviously had dudes, I mean, yeah. dudes, but we didn't have 12 of them, we didn't have seven of them, we had one or two, mm -hmm. and everybody else in the program was rock solid fundamentally, mm. you know. Didn't take bad shots. Didn't know who you know. Didn't think who they were. They they guarded. I mean, one of them was Russell Stong, who became a absolute social media darling. <laughs> yeah. Because he went to. He, that's a great story, not for here, but just how we got to UCLA. But Mick, I've had a conversation with Mick. He goes, Russ was the most fundamental player we had, because he just wow. all the you know the jump stops, the pivots, the ball fakes, the you know passing and catching and moving. And just the, for me, those are the fundamentals and and. Those became important to me because I learned those at Calu, but then I go to Chaminade and I coached the freshman for four years. Mm. And that's what I did. Like yeah. our practices were defensive footwork, passing, catching, yeah. triple threat. You know, triple no, threat. The whole yeah. deal. Like we played cutthroat and it was, <laughs> you got triple threat. Everything else was fine. If you didn't triple threat, you're off. So, you know. And that, you know, by the time our fourth year at Chaminade, we won the CF title because. You know, a couple of those guys that were on the, just everyone had the fundamentals down because we just emphasized that. And then when I took over Caldasis, when I took over at Crespi, what a lot of people don't know is that I was in a lot of freshman practices. I was in a lot of JV practices. Developing. Making sure that those things were being taught. And then when those guys got to varsity, they didn't have to reteach. They knew what to do. And now it's okay. Hey, let's build on the offense. Let's build this. Let's 
we can grow and get better as opposed to spending all our time jump stopping and yes. catching, throwing to the outside hand, yeah. you know, post entries, just yes. box offs. But um, those are the fundamentals for me. Now, I don't teach those now. Obviously, when we get to Calu, like, okay. if you don't have those, we don't, we don't do you know, uh, five lines, jump stops, full court. Uh, no, we don't have time for that. You know, we, <laughs> right, we just don't have time. You, yeah. And you better have that coming in or you're just not going to play. That's awesome. So when you go out recruiting, you probably look for that with those strong Abs- fundamentals. Absolutely. So that's, and that's, I, think it's, I think that's lost because of so much talent, right? And mm-hmm. even though a kid can be skilled, they may not have the fundamentals. And so I think that's so important to hear that that's what you look for as a college coach, one, because that's what we should be preparing these kids for on the grassroots level. But also how strong your fundamentals, how, long, how far it took you from. And I didn't know. Because you don't see it a lot where varsity coaches are in freshman practices and JV practices, and what what that does for a program. It's That's... it's it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, and you know, when I got my first head coaching job, I I wasn't even married. Um, by the time when I when I finished at Calabasas, I was married, had been married, but we still didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. When I got to Crespi, my son Peyton was just born, um, and that you know that's a whole other conversation about how you manage your your work life balance and things like that. But I've just got to the point in my life where I'm either coaching my team or I'm with my family. You yes. know? And then the only other thing that I might do is golf, nice. and I don't do that basically from September to March. I don't do it during the season. Right. Clubs come out of the car put them in the corner of the garage. I say, I'll see you guys in March. <laughs> um, but it's what's important, you know, you talked about work ethic. What's, uh, I just, that's how we knew we were going to build a program because we're not going to get, we'll get a couple guys, but we're going to be good. And I, I still say we were really good because our teams were so locked in on the fundamentals and the team concepts. And then you got a Brandon Williams or a D'Anthony or a Taj or a London where you can just say, hey, Go do it. Be right. you. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the guys, it's funny, some of the guys at Crespi that I used to coach, they'll, they gave me grief. They'll even say, like, guys have been in the Valley long enough. They, you know, I had the clamps on the players. Yeah. And then they'll come back, coach, you had the clamps on. I'm like, yeah, because you weren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that's right, right. I'm like, I say, I watched you know, a lot of D'Anthony and Brandon. I was, I, I was, I think London was gone already before I, like, really started paying attention to basketball like I did. And, yeah, no, they didn't have clamps. No clamps. They didn't have clamps. No clamps. No, they didn't. I needed. I probably Brandon would probably admit this. I needed to put a few more clamps on him his senior year, but yeah. he was on a mission. Like oh, he, man, was, he was crazy. He was, I remember his first game world. back from that. And it was at Calabasas during the summer. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I was like, who the is guy, this kid? That's one. <laughs> that was one on nine. <laughs> that was so crazy. He was on a mission. Um, so with that, so I, I, I do have to ask this because you said something that's very important going back to your fundamentals, not taking bad shots. I think it's something that haunts us in the game. Oh. I think it's a, a misconception from the parents of, oh, my son gets to shoot because he touches the ball. How do you kid, hold kids accountable and buy in if they're not that dude and that they shouldn't be taking those shots? What does that conversation look like? Because they're like, you know, you don't want to take a kid's confidence away, but you also have to be real with them. What does that conversation look like? I am, uh, I'm real with them first, and then I build their confidence up. Hmm. Um, okay. You know, the, 
this happened actually a couple times this summer. I was coaching a club team, and somebody would take a shot, and a couple guys on the bench were like, good shot, Johnny, whoever his name is. And I look at him, why is that a good shot? Yeah. <laughs> why is that a good shot? He's, but you, I, I've always been pretty direct. Okay. That's not a good shot. Um, as I've gotten older and more mature and hopefully a better coach, it's, you know, let's have a conversation about why, you know, now it's, there's, it used to be, hey, that's not a good shot. Trust me, it's not a good shot. Now it's, why, why do you think I think it's not a bad shot? You kind of have a conversation, yeah. you know, and then, you know, with the way it is now, I mean, we stat every practice, we stat every game, like we got all mm -hmm. this data, like you're shooting 22% from three point line and you're taking a contested step back three mm. with 20 seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. That's not a good shot. And if you think that's a good shot, we need to talk more, but you're gonna lose and you're not gonna, you keep taking that shot, you're not gonna play. Yeah. You're yeah. not gonna play. You know, you, bad shots are, you, you, I think you, you said it well, like it's, it's a big problem. You know, everyone thinks they can, shooting a shot is a good shot and, and you know, a good shot is one that you are going to make 50% of the time or more, yeah, you know? And, and then, so even this, like, I've even had players at Crespi like, oh, I should be able to shoot the three. I'm like, all right, let's get in the gym. Let's take a hundred threes. Yeah. Off, let's shoot a hundred threes on the gun. There's a great drill. It's called the license. License to shoot. Yeah. You know, and if you get the certain number, then yes. you get to shoot the three. Now we don't quite do it like that, but uh, we stat all our shooting drills in practice. So yeah. we know, who's a good shooter in practice and who's not. And like, it, you know, we got six, seven guy wants to shoot threes. He's shooting 22% in practice. No, no. <laughs> Get your butt in the gym and go work. Uh, you know, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Owens, love him to death. <laughs> you know, wanted to, uh, wanted to shoot the three more. And I'm like, okay, you're a, you're a 32, 33% three point shooter. I'm not saying don't shoot it. Right. But I'm not running a three. I'm not running a play for you to shoot a three when I got <laughs> when we got Russell Stong and Kyle Dosa and yeah. all these that, that shoot it at forty percent. Like right. I'm not. I'm sorry. Not They're ahead. better. Yeah. Right. Give me a better percentage, and you know, then it's all. Well, then maybe they'll. If you shoot more, maybe they'll shoot more. You know, shoot a better percentage. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I've had that <laughs> before. Oh, law, my son's a, my son's returns. a gamer. I'm, that's not how I coach. Right. I need to see them <laughs> practice first. It's yes. Not, not the guys who are real gamers, they probably get to the NBA really quick. Those guys who are like yeah. actual gamers that they think their kid is. It's yeah. like, no. If they're a gamer, then they're going to produce. Yeah. Period. And they're going to compete. Yeah. And there, there's very seldom where you see a guy who's successful on the court in college and the pros who doesn't work their butt off yeah. at something, man. It's just... Then yeah, yeah, I got a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of stories. No, that's that's awesome. I, I think it's just important for the parents to hear, because you you've been on both sides, right? And now you even have your son coming up and seeing him, and um, I'm sure you taught him all these things, right? With a, a you know, we know what his high percentage shot is, is a dunk at this point because he's super athletic, yeah. but also um, as his game grows, and so you know, you know, watching your son develop over time would have been the things that you've emphasized the most to him. Is it, uh, here, let me ask this, how do, you, how do you balance that father-coach relationship with him? Well, I, for the most part, I don't, I don't, 
I don't say anything to them games except keep playing, play through it, get your head up, you know, just little things like that. I, you, you, I don't think anyone has ever heard me say, shoot it, drive it, go score. Coach, I've seen you call a whole play from the side. No, I'm joking. No, he's actually pretty quiet. I've watched the games. <laughs> hey, I need a double screen for P. Give me a double pin down. <laughs> right. You P, you curl it. Uh, no. Hey, um, coach. <laughs> time out. <laughs> um, I, I've really spent a lot of time, especially the last couple of years, since he got to high school, I've really tried to focus on coaching his, his mental and his confidence approach. Like, mm-hmm. Um, to be frank, I've, I'm not in the gym with him a ton. I get him in the gym a lot, but I'm not putting him through workouts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, we're not doing, I, every once in a while he's like, Hey dad, can you help me with this? And we go in there and I show him some things to do and I watch it and he does it and then he'll do it on his own for two weeks, whatever it may be. I'm really trying to, cause I do think, I think the talent level is so high now. Yeah. Like it is this is another aside, but let's go back to Peyton. I've said this to other to a lot of people. When when I grew up, and even maybe when you grew up, the talent was good. Mm-hmm. Now the talent is better, and there's more players. Yes, there's more of them. But what nobody seems to realize is the actual the number of colleges and the number of college basketball opportunities is actually shrinking. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's way less demand than there was when you and I grew up, but the supply is way more. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, if I was going to write a dissertation and a doc, you know, do a doctoral dissertation on the state of the bank game, I mean, there's just so many players, and the opportunities to play at the next level are so few. Now, they've gone up in the past five years because these prep schools have, and these prep academies have really, I don't think blossomed is the word, but have grown into a nice little cottage industry. So kids have that option now, but now the path is prep, mm-hmm. JUCO, yep. and then go to four year. Right. And it's just, there's just so many good players. So going back now, bring that back to my son, like I'm really trying to make, differentiate him with his mental approach and his confidence and how he maintains his confidence. And, you know, and, and, He's a dynamic high school athlete. Yeah. But he's pretty regular if you start comparing it to Division One. Like he he needs to get better. He needs to be more skilled. He needs to and those things will come with time, but you're working on those things every day. But what people don't work on every day is their mental approach yeah. and their uh their their confidence level. You know, how do you you know, that age-old expression is life's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. You know, yeah. what are you going to do when the uh, ref calls a foul you don't like? What are you going to do when your teammate doesn't pass you the ball two times in a row? Are you going to throw your hands up and throw a hissy fit? Are you going to have a chit-chat, you know, remind him, hey, I'm, I'm over here? Or, you, you know, you're going to get in his face and tell him to pass you the damn ball? Um <laughs> Whatever you're gonna do, you know you have to train. I I firmly believe you got to train for those moments. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of you know that's not. I guess that's my approach with him. Like that's where maybe we're doing some things differently than you know maybe other coaches' dads were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not in the gym with him. I'm not showing him 
how to do double crossovers into a step back. You know, yeah. I've never taught that in my entire <laughs> life. But hey, you know, hey, how do you how are you approaching this? Are you are you putting the proper work in? You know, when you go to the gym in the morning, you know, we live a mile from Kalu and he gets in there multiple times a day if he's got nothing going on. He doesn't need me, but he knows when he goes into the gym, there's a plan. You're not just going in there and throwing yeah. up flippers. And, you know, I'm all right, I'm going to get up 100 mid-range. I'm going to get up 200 threes. I'm going to work, do ball handling for 20. Like, there's a plan. Okay, good. You got that. Now, so that's how I've approached it with my son. Uh, we didn't raise him to be a basketball player. He found a passion for it just coming to our games. Yeah. He really didn't even play. I mean, he played local AYBA, CYBA. But we didn't get him on a club team till he was probably, I know it sounds late, but you know, when he was, I think, nine, yeah. uh, maybe ten. And it's funny enough, I mean, that first practice, he cried the whole time. You know, <laughs> don't get mad at me. Um, he, was, he was very uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, he's not uncomfortable anymore on the court. No. You know, he pushed through and uh, obviously we're... His mom and I are beyond proud of him, and uh, he handles himself well off the court, too. You know, he's got great grades. Yep, and setting himself up for success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys did Very a great job. Him. So. Very proud of him. Love watching him play. I, wonder, Thank you. I, I saw him freshman year fall league, and I've seen him when we used to go up there with the pros, and he would just come shoot around and stuff, and he wasn't as tall and explosive as he is yeah, now. Yeah. And, uh, just his growth from eighth grade to ninth grade was like, oh, yeah. goodness, this kid's going to be a player. Yeah. And, and he, what, as the college coaches are starting to reach out and talk to me, obviously, because I see him, but, you know, and I believe, I believe what he does as well as anyone is he impacts winning. He just does things that impact winning a lot more than maybe the average fan might notice, um, whether it's, Set good screen, make an extra pass, box off. Def I mean, he's. I mean, he's bigger and stronger than I've ever been in my entire life. And I heard you had hops back in the day. Uh, you're talking to the wrong people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my sister did. My wife did. Uh, but he just he just does all little things that yeah. help you win. Yeah, and, an example and, of it. Watching you probably you know all the fundamentals and the things that they're yeah. talking about is like, oh, this is how you play basketball, yeah. where. Like you said, my generation and one is how you play basketball. That was how we thought to play until I had a coach show right. me the game the right way. And so he got a good. Yeah. And he works on his skills, but he, he doesn't. You were talking about shot selection. He doesn't take bad shots because he doesn't want to miss them because he doesn't want to make hurt the team. Like, and I've even had to, we've had a couple of conversations, like, especially in club in the summer, like, this is when you go make those mistakes and you go figure out what you can do and you need to learn how to drive because he's basically figured out if he's going to play at the Division One level, he needs to be a three. Yeah. Unless, you know, if he's, if he's going to be a four, it's going to be at a low D1. If he wants to go to a mid-major or bigger, he's going to have to be a three. Yeah. And that means guard skills and shooting. Um, but part of those guard skills is driving, getting by guys. And sometimes you drive. You should always drive to score, but... Creating contact, getting fouled, creating a play, not necessarily for you, but I'm getting in the paint. I beat my guy, this guy steps up, boom, good pass over there. Like, that's all part of where he needs to go. And uh, he knows it. 
But you talked about all this training stuff. Like, what, what do trainers never work on? Defense. Well, you might do that because you're playing ones. Yeah, but they don't. Passing and catching. Yeah, well. Nobody can pass and yeah. catch. Most, most trainers don't. I do every single day. Because I know this, right? As a coach, I hear it from passing coaches. Passing in traffic. You know, yes. Yeah. Angles. And when it matters, yes. you're up four. A minute left. They're pressing. They're trapping. Can you ball fake? Step through. Can you back up dribble? Step through a double and hit the open guy? Or are you going to jump to pass <laughs> and throw a lollipop? Yeah, over the top that some athlete comes and steals and dunks it on you. You know, like that's the stuff that you know. When I'm watching players to recruit and they, you know, they make that jump stop when traffic comes and they pivot around a guy. Like those are things that get me a little excited. Like, okay, yeah. this guy knows how to play. Yep. So at our level, you know, we don't get you don't get freshmen at our level that contribute if you're good. Right. Your best Division three teams, and I didn't know this when I got the job. Okay. But your best Division three teams have juniors, seniors, and grad transfers. They're 21, 22, 23, 24 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. They're grown men. Yeah. You're a freshman going D3. You're, you don't have the body ready to go up against a grown man. Don't you don't know. have the knowledge to grow up against a grown man that's been playing for four years. So my point is at the Division three level, it's pretty rare for a freshman to come in and contribute on a regular basis. Because those freshmen that can do that, they go get scholarships. Yeah. So how do you build a division? What we've figured out, what I've learned is that you build a Division three team by trying to identify potential players that you know are going to come in and get a little bit bigger, get a little bit stronger, mm-hmm. get a little bit better, and now they're going to be good. Devin Lewis is a great example. Uh, Pasadena High School, uh, part of our first recruiting class four years ago. I wasn't even sure I wanted him. You know, that's a great story, but he, we ended up taking him, and he wanted to come, and he's gone through his trials and tribulations as a player. Last year, he was MVP of the Sky Tournament. Wow. Was our leading scorer, and he's coming back for his senior year. Nice. Um, you know, Barely plays like that's how you're gonna build a program. But what my point is like, if we got a guy that has a core fundamental base, can pass, can pet, can catch, good shooting form, can make a post entry, is a willing defender. Okay, let's take that. Let's get him in the weight room. Let's get him better. Yeah. Let's, let's teach him how to make reads. I mean, our level is so read-based mm-hmm. you know you, you've got to react to what the other team is doing it's so much so more advanced than even the mission league you know i coached there for 13 years it's been a massive learning curve for me going to division three wow. not that the basketball is worse or better or whatever i mean that obviously there's 10 division one athletes in the mission league every year mm-hmm. but the level of basketball that's being played is so much more cerebral it's way more chess than checkers. Wow. Like you go into a mission league game and there's going to be, you know, scouting's great, prep's great, but now, you know, now that in that first quarter the other team is has adjusted. Mm-hmm. Oh, now now you got to adjust. And now the other team like that Adjust, readjust, adjust, readjust. That's three, four, five times a game or more wow. at, at this level. Whereas in high school, it was 
one or two. Maybe, yeah. And, and half the time it didn't matter because we got the best players. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it, it's been a jump, man. It's, it's, it's been a, a, a challenge. It's been a struggle. Um, definitely, you know, the, that the Crespi mantra of a lifelong learner. It's not just Crespi, but that's one of their mantras, lifelong learner. It's, it's, it's absolutely come to fruition, like how me learning how to recruit at this level, me learning who we want to recruit at this level, me learning how to not only prep for in-game adjustments, but make in-game adjustments. Like what, I've, what I believe is, what I think is that at this level, we prep for adjustments. Right. Like in high school, you might say, oh, they're running this pick and roll. Let's blitz it or let's shark it or whatever. However, people, there's different terms for different ways of guarding it. But we spend a lot of time prepping three, four adjustments Dang. for a game. Just so they're prepared for whatever. So, so, hey, so we come and do a timeout and we go, okay, we're not going to guard the pick and roll like this anymore. We're going to guard it like this right now. And we've got that that package of, of defensive routines. In high school, you're, you know, you've got your main, you've got a backup, and then if those aren't working, it's double it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep. Yep. Get the ball out of his hands. Um, no, I, think, I think that's the cerebral part, and even for the players, that they have to understand and know that. That's why the fundamentals are so important, because like you said, you're prepping for game action to win games. Yeah. You're not prepping for them to pivot and, and yeah. Pass. We don't. We don't. <laughs> the only thing we do fundamentally regularly is shoot. Like we will yeah. shoot every practice at least probably twenty five percent of practice, if not more, because you just need the reps. Yeah. And but the, you know, the jump stops and the pivots and the ball thing. Like, you know, if we know we're playing a team that's pressing, we'll, we'll incorporate that into some drills. But we don't have time. I mean, our first practice is October fifteenth. Our first game. We got a scrimmage on October 27th. We got a game on November 2nd. We got a game on November 9th. I mean, we don't, in, in Division Three. a lot of people don't know this, there is no off season. And when I say there's no off season, that means there's no off season. That doesn't mean you're always on. That means mm -hmm. you're off from March, when your season ends in March until October 15th, I can't coach my players. Oh, you're not even allowed to I can't coach, coach them. In the, I can't be in the gym with, excuse me, I can't be in the gym when they're in the gym. Can, so, so is there can an assistant coach? No, nobody, nobody on no staff. staff. And so they have to go and get work by themselves. Yep. You're allowed to open the gym for well, them. Well, I'm not allowed to open the gym for them, but if the gym is open, they can go use it. Right, right. Okay. Got it. Wow. Like, I, did, I did not know that. Nuts. I thought there was, because even in Division One now, they can hire on staff to be their trainers at least two or three times. Right. And they got, they got pockets of, of time during the summer where the guys are in school and they can do four hours a week. Is that week. a budget thing or what is that? That's a Division Three. It's just a rule. I used the word earlier, mantra. It's a, it's, it's a philosophy. They don't want sports, and this is every sport, not just basketball. They don't want sports to be the end-all, be-all at Division Three. Okay. A Division Three athlete is actually a true student athlete. Got it. You know, go get your internship. Go get your job. Go get your, go study abroad. Whatever it may be. Go do. Be a full-time. Be a regular student mm -hmm. as often as you can. So it's not bad, but. These guys won't play basketball, and we can't coach them. Right. So you get to that first practice, and you're looking at your calendar, and you got a game, and you got a scrimmage in 12 days, and you're like, hmm. 
I hope you guys know how to jump stop because <laughs> we right. ain't doing that. Right. You know, right. here's our install. Here's our offense. Here's what we're running. Like, yeah. you know, it's, they force you to golf in March. That's crazy uh, with the rules. <laughs> At the end of the day, <laughs> that I did not know that. So that's a um, it's a good opportunity for trainers to come in. Well, and, and, and help develop those kids who are 100%. trying to do it like on the things that you're talking about. We've actually had conversations with guys like at our school. Like you're a trainer, for you to come into our gym and train one of our players, you would have to have permission from the school, you know, and get yeah. all the paperwork and the insurance, and that's a pain in the butt. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, but that's for sure. Like you're not hired by us. You're you're an individual contractor. Mm -hmm. you, you have access to use the gym, and now you bring. Like if we could figure out a way to get a trainer to rent the gym, and then our guys pay him. 10 right. bucks an hour to get t 10 guys in there. You know, now trainers make 100 bucks an hour, whatever it may be. I mean, I know that's, that's a regular rate for one person, but like how can we find a way to get our players trained by good guys, good mm -hmm. coaches in the off season? Because it can't be me or anyone on staff. Wow, that's interesting. No, that's a good, good opportunity for trainers who are listening and uh, more important for people who are striving to be coaches to understand at the Division three level I think it's a level we know little about. Very that's little. Because it's D1 or bust for most of these kids. Especially but. in SoCal, especially in, on the West Coast. I mean, here's a, here's a trivia question for you. How many Division three schools have basketball teams? Round number. Third, oh, I say 13 is I think it was something like that. Oh, wait, in total? Total. In oh, the country. No, no, no. In, in the, the country. country. Uh, so I want to say 300 and something, 350. 430. How many, so way more division how many in California? That's where I think it's like 13. Is there 10? Okay, I know it was. How many in Oregon? One. Five. Whoa. How many in Washington? Seven. Four. How many in Idaho, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, uh, Kansas, Montana, all those states combined? 20. One. There's only one D3 in the whole Midwest ish. Or not, from, I guess, that from so the you west go side of the Midwest. Arizona. Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Kansas, Colorado. Did I already say that? Those eight states, there's one Division three. Whoa. So you go to the East Coast, you go to the Midwest. Like, there's 20 Division three schools in the greater Chicagoland area. Man. Like, just that, you know... Think about Los Angeles. We have nine Division three schools in, in the greater Los Angeles area, from Thousand Oaks to Orange to Redlands. There's nine Division three schools. Decent number. Mm -hmm. Chicago, a tad bigger, 20-plus. Boston, 20-plus. New York, 20-plus. They're everywhere out there. The Division three is not a slight in the Midwest on the East Coast right. in Ohio. It's not a slight. Yeah. Out here, I don't want to say it is a slight, but that's that's the perception. No, that's what like kids you, say. You, you have I'm to. Not, I won't, I won't, I'm, I'm not going D three, and I'm like, and, and, and this is what man. I would. It's basketball, but come watch a game. Yeah, come watch a game, and then all these guys that think they're D one or potentially D one, and we're not recruiting them. <laughs> now. And no D3s are recruiting them because, I mean, kids these days have 
no idea what it what it takes to be how good you need to be like uh they just don't and and they're not going to find out until they figure it out on their own that's why they got to go to prep and then they got to go to juco (laughs) and and then all of a sudden wow this is yeah i mean just come to one come to one calu game offers out people yeah games are free oh Uh, wow oh we're going come watch come see how strong these players are how good these players are and these guys are basically paying to play. Mm. It's Division three. There's no. There's no athletic scholarships. All academic. It's, it's academic, and no one gets a full ride to Calu. That's just not what we do. Unless I mean, there are a few that get full tuition paid because they're elite students that have nothing to do with hoops. Right. But Grants well, and all that. Kind most of stuff people are paying fifteen to thirty grand to go to Calu a wow. year, and they come to play basketball. I mean, so it's it's a. It's definitely, uh, and I don't know, how, we're not going to change it. It's just there's just too many players here, not enough Division three schools, not enough Division three opportunities. Yeah. I mean, half our roster is from, we we, we barely recruit Cal, I mean, D, SoCal because most guys aren't interested. And the ones that are, a lot of times they're not good enough hmm. for us to be, you know, a top top team in the, in the country. Yeah. Or, or there's a lot of other factors too. They you know, Most guys want need to come in and wait. A lot of guys don't want to wait. Wow. Especially if I'm going D3. If I'm going D3 and I'm going to pay to go to school, I want to play right away. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. That's that's such good information. And um, just so the kids have a correct perception of what college basketball is and why. I, I never understood it from the California's perspective, right, is that there's a limited number of D3 schools. And so that's why it's not, you know, kids aren't, excited as to play college ball as they would be for for any opportunity no one grows up saying i want to play d3 ball right you know i mean that's just the reality of the situation and you know they have to be open to it that's well you i think the exposure what you said is right i think it's important for a kid to go to right we're here go see ucla usc go see lmu pepperdine go calu go to masters university Go see that that NAI ball, That's and time. go see and go watch a junior college basketball yeah. game out here and see the land, like you're saying, see the landscape, so you could have a good perspective. And where's the D twos out here? Uh, uh, there's plenty. You know, yeah. you go Dominguez Hills, Cal State yeah, LA, yeah. The, you know, yeah. Azusa Pacific, Concordia Irvine, Point Loma is down in San Diego. They're a national power. Like every level is covered in SoCal, but it's yeah. I mean every. I would encourage every high school coach listening to take your players to every, every level of game you can as a team. Great team experience. And now you, you get a feel. And not just watch it, but have a, a dialogue after about what you see. I mean, you know, it's you know, very f- few players have the skill set coming out of high school. The ones that have a really good skill set to play Division three are you know, they may not have the body to play Division Three because right away, because the players are so much bigger and stronger. Yeah. You know, you can be a skinny athlete with a great skill set and go to UCLA and USC, and you're going to get on the court because you're so athletic. But if if you're not super athletic and you're six five, buck eighty, yeah, you're going to get beat up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just going to get beat up. Doesn't mean you can't go in and contribute and play, but it's it's not like you're going to go and be a dude. And so many, so many kids and families just dis, discount Division Three right away. 
because that's not what they grew up wanting. And I get that. That's why we don't, I don't recruit freshmen, juniors, and seniors. I mean, our freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, unless I, I have some in, like, yeah. you know, your kid was a potential D3 guy. He's a sophomore. Hey, come on down to campus. I'll show you around. But right. like some random kid, like I'm not, we don't waste our time with that stuff anymore. Unless someone tells me, absolutely, know their Division three, want to be Division three, they're okay with Division three. Then I'll start recruiting them early, but otherwise, we don't even talk to guys till they're senior. Right. When they start realizing, oh, no the, one's calling me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are my other options? And everyone, you know, and then once in a while we call kids. Oh, what, what's your what's going? On? What's your plans? What are your hopes? Oh, I'm, I'm keeping all my options open. That's code for. I want to play at the highest level I can. No, I, t- I tell I this story often. <laughs> I tell this story often. I had a, I had a Division two offer. I was in Kansas at the time. I played my senior year in Kansas. A Division two offer, Washburn University. Great good institution, pro- I mean, good program. Yeah, dudes. Bob Simmons, yeah. yeah. And um, offered me on the spot. Saw me at a camp, offered me on the spot. Go for a visit. Hey, we want you now. It's the early, I'm a senior. I'm a senior. It's October before the season starts. And hey, we want you to sign now. There's another guard, but we want you. And me and my dad, not knowing anything, I had Division One interest. I had teams asking about me to my coach, never contacting me. And that's not interest. It, I now I know because <laughs> it didn't happen, right? And so ended up in junior college, and my story, blah blah blah. But if there's ever a basketball moment where I'm like, why didn't I? Why didn't I just go yeah. at that moment? Because I didn't know. And that, that's why that's why this show is made. That's why core prep was made. So parents have information. Yeah. Because of the mis not the yeah, the misinformation and the ignorance of just not understanding how this works is that, like you said, the the training is one thing. Doing the right things when you're training is another. Working on the stuff that's going to translate to the game, that's yeah. going to get you to the next level. Understanding college recruitment levels of basketball and and just all those little details that you know, get lost in, oh, my son has a highlight. He dunked on somebody. No, it's way, way tougher than that. That's great. You, you use the word that we talk about a lot, recruiting. Does the, their game, does a, does a player's game translate to our level to what we do? Like, there's 20-point scorers that we don't have any interest in. Yeah. You know, there's, meanwhile, there's six, five post players that go five and five, and we have interest in. You know, how does it translate Mm-hmm. Well, how does your body translate? What do you project? I mean, if if you're 20 points a game and got a full beard and you're done growing and you know looks like you've kind of peaked out and you're beating up on players not as big and strong as you, then yeah. you know, that, those are those are those are I don't want to say red flags or yellow flags as, as as we recruit and and figure that out. But man, the I think I think. I, you know, speaking of, I mentioned this word earlier, cottage industries, like that knowledge, if you're telling, if you're giving that knowledge to your clients at core prep, you know, it, and they're taking the knowledge, because this is another thing I've learned, Todd. Well, some, some do. Some that don't. ain't me. That's not, that's not my son. You know, my, my son's better than that. They hating on you. My son's better than that. <laughs> my son is better. That's not going to be my son. Did you see him play last week? You know, like you said, he dunked and he made a three. You know, if we're giving advice, you know, uh, highlight packages. Um, just having some fun here. Uh, don't show bank threes. Okay. 
don't show free throws. Okay. The, don't show me uncontested layups with your strong hand. Um, limit you catch and th shoot threes. The catch and shoot three packages. You know how, how many catch and shoot threes do I need to see from one guy? As I'm look watching that watching a video. What package. should kids put in the highlight film? This is this is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is for me. I'm one coach out of 430 in Division three and over Very a thousand. Very well accomplished coach. But go ahead. Yeah. Fair. Still <laughs> learning a lot about this level. The college, but yes, yes. Shouldn't be more than 40 seconds because okay. that's all we're going to watch. Put your best stuff early. You know, show your athleticism. Uh, show your wiggle. Can you dribble by guys and make plays? Um, you know, if you're a shot blocker, put that in there. You know, if you're going to do a catch and shoot three, you know, a guy drives, kicks it out to you, and you make the shot. Like, okay, one of those. Are you, what is your skill set? You know, can mm -hmm. you show me your skill set in 40 seconds? I don't need to see, and I don't want to see 12 catch and shoot threes from the corner. You know, okay, I, you know how many guys on my team can catch and shoot a three-pointer from the corner? I hope all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not a determining fact. That's not yeah. that's not moving the needle. Mm -hmm. You know, can you dribble? Can you get into paint? Can you finish over a guy that's bigger than you? Can you finish with the wrong hand? Can you can you make a play? Uh, you know, can you guard? Can you guard the ball? That's the one. Can you guard the ball? And it, uh, we've got a player coming to our program this year who uh, has been out of it for a little bit and he watched some of our games and he's like, I need to get in the weight room because it is way more physical. <laughs> the Division three level yeah. is borderline wrestling. I mean, you're not grabbing guys, but there are so many bumps. I mean, we teach our players, and I didn't teach this in high school, when you're guarding the ball, you're gonna use your body to guard the ball, but not your hands. So you're sliding, you get to a spot, and you don't beat them to a spot and then back up. You beat them to a spot and let them hit you. Yes. And you take that hit and you bounce them off. You slow them down. And because another thing at the Division three level I've learned is, you know what these guys do? They flip their hips. If you don't body them at the free throw line or the three-point line and you don't body them till the, till the second block, eight feet away, flip the hips, yeah. fade away jumper. Yeah. Good night. It's over. So you can't let them get that deep. Yeah. So how, you're not going to do that by beating them to a spot. You're going to do that by being physical. Yeah. It's would you teach high schoolers that now that you know I that? I would. Yeah. Okay. I would. I was literally in a session this morning, and that's all I was teaching the kid. He's a, a kid. He's a tweener, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to move out to the perimeter. And his um, post defense is great. Now he's moving out to the perimeter. He has the ability, athleticism, length, smarts. And that's the main thing I was teaching. So you cut. Dude, you're so... Massive. Cut people off with your chest. Sounds like someone I know. Yeah, you, yeah. I, <laughs> I, could, I could probably get them in there and, so they could bang together because they, uh, yeah. it, uh, it, uh, he needs that because he's playing against some little guards right now, which is good because he's trying to be able to guard little yeah, guards. Yes. But yeah, let me know. If he wants to be, if Peyton, my son, wants to go to college, you know, mid to high D1, and he's going to need to be a three, he's going to need to guard guys. One through three, one and, through four and, almost. And yeah. it, sometimes it's footwork and sometimes it's smarts and sometimes it's skill and. You know, you kind of figure that out as you go. But, yeah, I would absolutely – we call it the early bump. Okay. You know, defensively, you get that early bump. I was teaching it to my club team this summer, some high school kids get the early How bump. How do you have them reset after they get the bump? What do you have them do? 
Do you have them reset, kind of back up, like after after you cut them off? No, you don't give up any space if you so don't you have steady to. Ground you, you, if you if you're strong enough, and that's where the 22 year old, 23 year old uh, man comes in. They've got a core. They've got a shoulders. They've got they've got a chest. You don't give up that space if you don't have to. Now a lot of times you're going against a guy that's a bowling ball as well, so you're going to give up some space. But if you can slow them down, right. you're, you're winning the battle. The skill set it's 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 like everything you know. Even in the NBA, you're not stopping those guys. Right. You, you know you're you're trying to make them take certain shots. That's that's how you guard Durant and yes. all those guys. Can we make them take certain shots? And it's the same at our level. Like, hey, that guy, we can't let him get below eight, 10 feet because he's just going to turn you over. He's just going to flip his hips and shoot a fadeaway. And if he does that, and then you can't. If he does that too often, you're going to get cooked. So what's the? if he keeps doing it, you don't have anyone that can do it, now you got to double him. Okay, well, that you know what that's going to do. Somebody's going to be open. Yeah. Like in high school, almost every team's got a guy you can double off of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not so much at this level. Right. Not so much. Yeah. Not so much. So you you start doubling, and all of a sudden you just giving up open shots. Or like if you don't – so my second – my third year at Calu, we trapped a lot. We had a deep, pretty deep roster, and we decided we were going to press and trap. And early on it was successful. And as the season got along, we didn't get better at rotating, and we didn't get better at anticipating, and teams got better at breaking it. And by then, this—I mean, we were giving up forty percent from the three-point line. Oof. It was gross. Oof. It was gross. And so we adjusted. All right, not pressing anymore. <laughs> Last five games, we didn't press. We cut down on the number of threes we were giving up. But uh, it, the, the players are—it's just really hard to. You got to be really, really smart with your doubles and really, really smart with your rotations. And again, it's just a. It's a very, very, very high cerebral game yeah. at this level. You know, the athletes aren't as good. You still got guys that will throw down some great dunks oh, yeah. and some guys that are better athletes than everyone else, but there's no, uh, what, uh, there's no quick rabbits. There's no beaming, you know, guys that uh, go super fast. And, yeah. Or what is, what, what if I talk on Bugs Bunnies or something like that? <laughs> there's no, no, none of those. Yeah. They're, just, they're just all really good. Yeah, play solid. They just know how to play. So you've had some uh, playoff NCAA playoff yeah, appearance. That was fun. Yeah. Um, I'll run that back. What was that experience like? Uh, I know you guys weren't. It didn't seem like you were doing too well early in the season, and you know, kind of, I guess, five hundred level. Yeah. And then uh, picked it up at the end of the season. What was that experience like? No, we never. I never thought we were doing bad. I thought we kept getting better. Um, we we stayed the course, as, as you would say, um, and we played our best basketball at the end, which. You know, as you know, as a coach, it's that's kind of rare. I mean, for you know, like a lot of different reasons, but you know, twenty uh, high school coach for twenty five years now, five years coming up on five years as a college coach. You know, probably fifteen to twenty percent of the time, your team's playing your best ball at the end of the year. It's not mm -hmm. common. We did it. We went to NCAA's. It was awesome. Um, what what really made it awesome and great was because it was NCAA, like all the arrangements were made for you. Honestly. So when you know, you're, you're you're in high school and you're gonna go play Cajon and San Bernardino for a you know semifinal <laughs> game in the playoffs, you gotta get the bus. You gotta figure out where you're gonna eat. You gotta you know yeah. you gotta. 
they, we make that civil A's and all right, here's your travel agent. Call them up. Where do you want to go? Or where are you going? They know where we're going. Mm -hmm. All right. You're going from LA. You're going to, we played in New Jersey. Closest. Are you okay with Philadelphia? That's the closest major city airport. That's great. How yeah. far is away? It's 20 minutes. Great. Where do you want to go? What time of day do you want to leave? Oh man, that's beautiful. The only bad part was because we, you know, we, we basically reserved the tickets on a Monday and we leave on Wednesday. Half our guys were middle, middle row. Oh, no fun. Not for basketball. No, players. no fun. Yeah. Um, but in the, you know, bus is taken care of. They tell you where to go for the hotel. I mean, just to, yeah. like all the travel op stuff is yeah. done for you. And sometimes it's screwed up. Like I, coaches have told me that sometimes they don't have a bus. <laughs> You know this that but it was really good for us and you know the best part was you know we returned our top eight guys so everyone got a lot of guys got that experience knows what's that about and going back to you know you want to talk about playoff success i mean um, i truly am a firm believer is there's no success without failure um you know we we made some we won a couple state titles at crespi but there were multiple years where we lost in the first round you know we we made state playoffs seven, eight, nine times, whatever it was, but the first three times, four times, we couldn't get past the first round. Or we couldn't get past the second round. Um, and I remember in 2015, DeAnthony was a junior. Taj and Brandon were sophomores. We had a big kid named Mitch Mikhailov, and our only senior was a kid named Mike Krakan. We actually won our first round playoff game in the state. All right, that's great. And... Uh, a team came in to play us in the second round. It might have been the third round. It might have won our second one. But this team came in, and I remember just thinking, this is the hump. We have never gotten over this hump on our, on our path to being mm -hmm. as good as we can be. And fairly close game early. And I, I, I remember exactly third quarter, DeAnthony's guarding the point guard, and, and he drives, and he just kind of reaches around, back taps it to himself, and dribbles length of the court for a monster dunk. I mean, it was, at the time, he was only a junior, but at the time, it was one of the best dunks he'd had. And, bam, we win that. We go to Maranatha. We beat Tyler Dorsey. We play Campbell Hall with Aaron. Yeah. In their careers, go on to win state. And then the next year, we win Division One. We had all that success. You know, we just knew, you got to figure out what it takes you know, as a coach, as a player, um, you know, playoffs are different. The, therefore, the I don't want to say the approach is different, but the mindset is different. You know, you lose, you go home, and are you ready for that? You've it's just experience. I mean, it really, obviously, you do your regular prep work. We know the team. I mean, when we won in the uh, Sky Act tournament last year, we we. Had, played two teams that we already played twice. So we had some experience. All right, here's where we're going to adjust. Here's our second and third adjustments, <laughs> like we talked about earlier. Uh, but the success came. You just got to try different stuff. I mean, that sounds crazy, but, you know, I think it's, it's probably pretty rare, unless you are just supremely talented. Yeah. You're not just going to get in a state championship and go, go win it all, you know. Um, if you're the best team, the most talent, yeah, good chance. But that's that's not the case. 
Right. Um, when you're talking about Division One, Division Two, even open, you know, you know right. open division, like you're not going to have the most talent. Yeah, you have to. It, it comes down to playing well. Yeah, and, and executing the game plan, and then the coach obviously putting together a good game plan. But uh, su- success begets success. You figure out what it takes to win. You figure out what it takes. Then you can. It's much easier to duplicate, and that's what I'm excited about with our team because we. We had eight guys that played and another five guys that didn't play that all come back next year to a team that wow. ran the table in the tournament, the Sky Tournament, went to NCAAs, and, and gave them everything they wanted. I mean, we just ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were up at half by nine. We were up. It was a one-point one game with a minute and a half left. I mean, we were, and we were, I mean, we were, if you were seeding it out, we were probably the 63 or 64th seed. In the yeah, tournament. I was on the ass, yeah. yeah I mean, we were way down there. And we were we were playing a top ten team and gave them everything they wanted and we just ran awesome. out of gas and then you're and, returning, uh, but everyone's coming. So now we, it was just the whole process of walking into that gym and and A's are a little bit playoffs are always a little bit different. You know, in high school this was always unique. You know, all season freshmen play, JV play, varsity play. Then you get to the playoffs, games at seven o'clock, but no one's in the gym. Yeah, from three to six thirty, like. Yeah, what do we do now? This is weird. Yeah. So just dealing with those little things, but you know, I think you just the more you're there, the more you figure out, the more it becomes re- regular. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of evaluation or assessment do you do on yourself as a coach? So you've been this is your going into your sixth year at Calu, fifth, fifth. Year, fifth year at Calu, and you're here. Like you, you made the NCAA tournament. You're able to build like you're, you're talking about. Um, do you do an assessment of yourself as a coach every year and as the team builds? Is like, um, I think a lot of administrations look, and if you don't have success in those three to, I'd say two to three years sometimes, they're already looking for another candidate for your job. But as you can see, if you give somebody an opportunity in that time to build, right, is there something that you do personally that you make sure I, that you're on your game? I do. I would say... I would say there's 430 Division three schools that have basketball. I would say 50 of them are jobs that you kind of have to win. Mm. I don't. I think there's 375 or 80 that, as long as you don't break the rules and as long as you don't, you know, treat kids like poo-poo and yeah. no, you're not gonna lose your job. I, it's just it's not the. It's not how this this level works. There's a few schools that, you know, and the ones that are like that are the ones that invest. Right. Hey, right. we're we're putting money into this program. Um, Calu is not one of those programs. Like I I don't, if if we have losing seasons the next five years, I don't think I lose my job. No, we're, we're not going to lose have losing seasons the next five years because right. we, you know, for a lot of reasons, but we're just not. Um, but what do I do? So I have a file every year. And if you came to my office right now, and on one of the whiteboards, there's a sheet of paper that's up there, and it says things we need to do differently next year. Every, every year. It's, as soon as the season's done, I write down my stuff. I meet with the AD, my boss. I meet with my assistants. I meet with every player. And, you know, the players don't give you nearly as much as you might, as you want them to, but, and you just, just compile all that information on a sheet of paper on a notebook and then you sleep on it 
couple days, week, whatever, and then okay, here's here's what we're doing differently next year. Awesome. And you know, sometimes it's stuff like meals. Um, first year, my my first year at Calu will never. Those guys will never let me hear the end of it, but they get a per diem because we were in school, but the cafeteria wasn't open. And instead of me giving them a, a small per diem, like, I mean, it was like $21 a day, $22 a day, which is good enough for about a, a meal and a half for right, a college maybe, kid. But yeah. I took that money and catered every meal, hmm. partly because I knew what I did with my meal money when I was in college, <laughs> right, right, and partly because I, you know, it was an opportunity for us to hang out together, you know, and eat together. I, I firmly believe breaking bread together is one of the fastest ways to create a relationship. So yeah. we're gonna, well, I hire a company to cater this food for us, and you know, breakfast was at seven, and lunch was at twelve, and dinner was at six, and you know. Sometimes it wasn't very good. <laughs> so the guys are like, at the end of the year, hey, what do we need to do differently this year? And like every single guy, give us our per diem money. Okay. So the next year, all per diem. But now we don't get that meal time together. Yeah. So now the next year, which was actually this past year because we missed one for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. This year, this past year, one meal a day was nice. catered by me, my choice, where everyone came and we ate together. And then we did a, it's really cool actually, we did a, uh, we did a bring your own steak night. So mm-hmm. the guys, they got into going to Ralph's and buying food obviously when they get it per diem and got a grill at the house. We're like, okay, Tuesday night, everybody bring your own steak. And we grilled them all up on the grill and nice. hung out at the house in the backyard and Everyone had steaks together, their own liking, and just do stuff like that um, as often as we can. Yeah, I think people miss on that too, is just yeah. the importance of that bonding outside yeah. of the sport and around food. Uh, yeah. You see it as far back as the Bible, that's what Jesus did, man. He broke bread with people, and that was it opened, it opened everybody <laughs> up to, to connecting. Had well. a little wine too. Yeah, a little, that, hey, helps. that always helps. <laughs> Not with high school kids. No. All right, but uh, <laughs> avoid that. Um, that's a job loss. <laughs> No, that's, uh, I think that's awesome just uh, um, seeing, seeing your growth, right, from, from high oh. school to college and understanding that. And then the, the things that you need to develop and you're continuing to develop as you're growing in the game. And so, I think there's a lot of guys, a lot of people in this business that wouldn't admit it, but they think they got it figured out. And there's not a, a, a true growth mentality. Like they're willing to try stuff, and hey, we need to do this, and oh, we got two bigs, let's let's do a high high low, whatever. But a true growth mentality is, um, I I talk about it all the time. Even go to last year, our team. I just we don't talk about winning. We talk about getting better. Mm. Like the last time I talked to a team about winning games was 2014, wow. 2013. Like. Are we going to get better? Let's just keep. Now you got. We got to. Sometimes we got to define getting better. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you just know. Hey, we're better. But other times it's there's stats. You know, basketball is very analytical. You can break it down. And are are we getting better? And through all of it last year, you know, I don't. I've, I don't think we ever won more, or lost more than three in a row. Yeah. But uh, I. Rem- and if you've 
you probably haven't watched me coach a college game, but you watched me coach co high school at Crespi. Like mm -hmm. I, I know, I'm aware of the reputation I get, I garnered as a fairly energetic sideline coach. Um, I don't do that anymore. Like really, I, I got to come see you again. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> it, it, yeah, and why is that? Because it was required for growth. Mm. You know, uh, I don't need to energize my players and get them to play defense at this level. You know, they're going to do it. Like I've, I've trust, I've learned to trust them that they're going to do it. I don't need to. I, I don't talk to the refs nearly as much as I used to, because I've realized it doesn't matter. You know, you just get to this point. You just kind of you continue to mature and grow, and you realize. You know, I just need to focus my energy on my players. Yeah. And, and think about the next move. Again, going back to, like, you spend the time yelling at your players because they're not D'ing up, or you spend time yelling at refs. You know what you're not doing is thinking about the next move you Coach need to make. The next play. Yep. And, you know, those are all things that I've learned in the last four years. And, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize, you, you, you probably wouldn't recognize who I am as on the sideline. I'm still, I'm still feisty. Right. Uh, that'll never go away. I'm still, you know, I, I'm not the easiest guy to play for because you're going to get pushed and you're going to get challenged on a regular basis. But you know, for growth, though, like you said, right. you're, you're, all we, you're thinking about is are we getting better? Yeah. And, and ultimately, as a coach, what's our job to get the most out of our players, to yeah. get our players to be the best they can. And when you come to a realization that yelling at them or telling them to use the backboard when they miss a layup when they try and just finger roll it in or uh, get the high follow through. You know, when you realize they already know that, like you don't need to remind them every time. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you know, my team's so deep, like, like you ain't doing it, I'm, that guy's gonna go, right, get him out. You know, <laughs> like you just, yeah. Um, so I'm a big like, hey, how are we gonna get better? And then we, all of our players get a, summer development plan, a handwritten, or not, well, it's typed, but a development plan. You need to work on this, you need to work on this, you need to work on this. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's video for you to watch, awesome. see what we're talking about. Because after that last meeting, we so, can't engage with them basketball-wise. All I can do is say, hey, you doing what you need to do? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think that's the biggest job of a coach is to be, like, we've become life coaches in these kids' yeah. lives more than anything because we're the most consistent mentor figure besides their parents and sometimes even more than yeah. their parents sometimes um, of teaching them the life skills which you're giving them is hey whenever you go to your next job you're, you got to keep on personal developing you got to keep getting you're better. opening up a it's not a Pandora's box but I think I, I'll just speak for me personally there I got into this gig I got into coaching because you, you know and you probably the same you're passionate about the game you love the game you and you love competing mm -hmm. And that's who I was when I was early in my career. I wanted to win. I wanted to win. I wanted to create a great team. I still cared about my players, yada, yada, yada. I still have literally a player I coached 25 years ago. We talked two days ago. Like I, I still have those relationships which are valuable. But when I got to a point in my life where I realized that I didn't have to win to be a good coach, mm. I became a way better coach. Wow. If that makes sense. Like, you don't have Man. to. If it's all about winning, you're going to, there's going to be collateral damage. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the problems with our business at the, you know, high level, high, I don't want to say high school, but high level college, they got to win. Yeah. They want to keep that $4 million a year job. They got to win. So what am I going to do to win? Anything and everything. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I, I coach guys that love playing ball. They're not there. They're not getting paid. They're not worried about an NIL deal. They're not worried about, they would love to go overseas and play college if that opportunity presented itself, but they're focused. They know they've got a backup plan, you know, and we're life coaches. Like all of our players at Calu have mentors, former Calu basketball players that are mentors in their, oh, in the field that they want to go into. Wow. So they're, they're struggling during the season because they're not playing. Hopefully they can call their mentor and say, Hey, did you ever go through this? But more importantly, when the season's done, Hey, I need to get an internship next summer. What'd you do? Hey, I, you know, and then they develop a relationship. Maybe there's a job for them, but um, that's our job is, you know, and again, when you realize that, that that's ultimately your job, you're, you're going to be a better coach. You're going to, and your players are going to, like the relationship I have with my players now is better. Like I feel bad for the kids I coached at Calabasas. Mm-hmm. You know, my first head coaching job, 26 years old. No. Was I a bad person? No. Was I incredibly immature? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I, I've said this to a couple of those guys that I still talk to. Like, I, I wish you would have got a better version of me. Yeah. And, you know, that's it's all part of the growth process. But you've gotten better. Yeah, you've it's gotten better every process, day. <laughs> and so, it's all part of the process, you know. And I'm going to be, you know, if things go the way I really hope they do, I'll be a Calu another 20 years or so. I'm only 51, so I got right. plenty of time left. I did the math. I was like, I'm figuring this out. I was like, he's 51. I just <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not old. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the way down, but uh, <laughs> I guess I think I got some time left. And yeah. like, I'm, I want to be my best when I'm 65, 70. Not, I don't, I don't want to coach for seven years and stink. Right. I'm just hanging on. So, so um, you made the decision to stop coaching high school and go coach college. Yeah. Um, why? What were the, the main reasons? Well, the, really the, the biggest pull was it was Calu. Okay. Like, Calu's my alma mater. When I left Calu, that was the goal. Like, I want to be the head coach here someday. And all my friends knew that. All my teammates knew that. Um, and I've... Leaving Crespi was incredibly difficult. Uh, there were a ton of tears shed in front of a lot of people. Um, I, I garnered this philosophy that I, at, at Crespi, you know, um, so I left mostly cause I wanted to coach at Calu. You know, it, it wasn't a pay raise. It, it's not more prestigious. The players weren't as good. Um, it was, an, it was an ego thing. To be frank, I just it's something I wanted. And it's a vision, a vision coming to, to fruition. Right. Yeah. All that being said, if I had to do it again, I don't know if I would. Wow. Because it, it's been really hard. It's mm-hmm. been really, really hard. And I know what Crespi is. You know, Derek Fisher just took the job. You know, if, if he does that right, that is a great, great, great job. And not because you're going to get the best players. But because that community, if you do it right, and you embrace the community, and you take care of the kids, and you take care of the families, and you give them a great experience, 
you're still going to be good. But just the, the love and the passion that, that's at that school was something that was really special to me. Okay. So leaving it, you know, would I do it again? I don't know. Do I regret it? I don't regret it. Right. right. And, and when, when this thing opened up two weeks ago, when Crespi opened up two weeks ago, my thought process, obviously a lot of people asked if I was going to go back and speculation, it lasted for about three seconds. Um, I wasn't going back. Yeah. Uh, mostly because, two reasons, I don't, I don't want to coach Peyton on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a disservice to the other players on the team. We have to talk about that. Fine. Uh, <laughs> yes. But also, you know, what we're doing at Cal Lou, we've, we've turned yeah. the hump. I mean, the first year we were 4-21, and 21 and we were bad. Um, last year we made it in the subway tournament for the first time in 23 years, and we bring back eight returners, and we have three transfers to fill gaps. Wow. We're going to be pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not time to go. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Let's get started. Uh, Crespi is in changed my life you know it, it did that opportunity coaching there I matured I, 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 I got a philosophy that I I still grasp onto and then I'm continuing to perfect it at Calu so it's a very special place okay. and my son's there now which makes it even more special and watching him play and create his own uh, his own mark yeah uh, it's been it's a lot of fun that's awesome so, fun. Um, you don't want to coach Peyton you said it's a disservice or a disservice to them, to the other kids on the team, you said, or to the kids. Is that what? I, Explain that. I, I, I like watching my kid play. You know, if I'm coaching the game, I need to, you know, you know this. The best coaches don't watch the ball. Right. The best coaches are seeing it all. Like, I like to watch my kid play ball. <laughs> You know, awesome. no, and good. I'm going to get caught up. I've even felt it. You know, I've coached this club team a little bit here and there. And, you know, your, your son gets, you know, the ref doesn't call something on your son. <laughs> and, you know, I feel my emotions go up a little higher than they would if it was on not my son. Just just little stuff like that that I've noticed in my time. I did, like I said, I, I kind of assisted on this club team for a couple of years. And, um, and plus the perception of coach's son. Like, I coached high school for 25 years. I made a rule. I, I got to a point about halfway through my career, less than that. I am not coaching dads. I'm not having dads coaching my program. Yeah. So it was it was against the rules. I'm not. And even if you know your son's playing varsity and you want to coach freshmen, nope, not doing it. Hmm. Not doing it. And I, I I got to that point because there were so many perception problems with. Parents, oh, yeah. you're. He coaches the freshman team, but his son's on varsity. So, his, but his dad, you know, coach likes him more. It was all garbage. Yeah, you know, I. Ninety-seven and a half percent of coaches are playing the guys they think they're going to win the game. That, you know, man, it, it you know time. every <laughs> once in a while, there's some. Something in there that you, but. I'm playing the guys that they're going to win. Yeah. And, but the parents don't see that. Parents are, when it comes to their own kids, parents don't, and I'm the same way. Like I've, you know, I've, I don't see it the same way. You know, we, we're going to view it from our son's perspective. Again, 95% of the time. Because you're a better dad than you are a coach. 
Hopefully. <laughs> that's the goal, right? I Hopefully. think you're a better that's dad a, than that's you are well a coach. Said. That's well said. Yeah, and I think that's, that's well said. I think that's important and because you recognize that and you recognize the emotions and seeing him in club ball and understanding that. And then also uh, from the, the point of view is that you've done the work as a dad to prepare him to whoever he's coached by, he's going to produce. And we talked about that earlier, the strides that he's made on being himself, becoming his own player um, with, with the training and the discipline and yeah. the fundamentals that you place in him as a dad, being a basketball coach that I don't have to coach my son for him to get what he's earning. Right. So. He's going to, I don't, I don't need to, he's already been shown what he needs to do. Now he's just got to go do it. And I, you know, me coaching him is not going to get him to a better place. You know, me being his dad, it will get him to a better place. And you said it like, ultimately we know that Life isn't what happens to you. It's how you deal with what happens to you. And he's got a coaching change right now. Now, the number of people that have inquired one way or another if my son is going to transfer is more than this. <laughs> and the only way he would transfer is if, if his mom and I felt like the coach was a bad person. Not a bad coach, mm. a bad person. And, you know, hopefully we don't transfer in the next two weeks. Uh, but um, This won't air know, for like eight weeks, so, so we'll, we'll know by then. Yeah, you, you can delete this. <laughs> yeah. um, the, he's he's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, you know, I, yeah, we want to win. We want all that stuff. But ultimately, and, and here's the other thing that what the people close to Peyton grew up with Crespi. Like, he was born a month after I was hired. He grew up in that gym. He grew up watching London. He grew up watching D. He grew up watching Max. He grew up watching DJ. He grew up watching Taj. He grew up watching Brandon. He grew up watching Kyle Owens. He don't want to play anywhere else. He wants to be on that board with those guys and be right next to them. Those are his idols. He goes home at night. If he's not watching his game film, he's watching their game film. Like, he might love Crespi more than me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not. That's what he knows. That's home. Yeah. He's not. Home. I mean, it's, you know, uh, J.J. Prince at Viewpoint is a close, close friend. My youngest son's godfather. Brian Cantwell was my teammate at Kalu. He's at Chaminade. You know, David Rubibo, former assistant at Harvard-Westlake. Best program in the state, probably. He wants to go to Crespi. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he grew up with. And I love him for it. And he doesn't, like, I love the fact that new coach announced on Tuesday and there is no conversation from him about, do I need to leave? Yeah. Like, he's, he's in it. Yeah. This is, this is home for me. And uh, I'm proud of him for that. Because yeah. you know the mentality is these days. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, more than this many people called me thinking he might want to go. If he ever had an out, this would be it. This would be it. And he still <laughs> don't want it. Yeah. And again, we would... My wife and I would only jump in if we felt like the coach was a bad role model. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't appear that that's the case. Good guy. Good guy. Um, Coaching pros. Did you know that, we'll just talk about the guys who made it to the league or scratched the league with London, uh, Brandon, and Dan. No. No. Never. Brandon, maybe. 
senior he was, year? Because he was that. just so, so athletic. Okay. And you see it now on the highlights and even, you know, he just, that burst. Yeah. That quick step, that, that first step year. is, wow, it's explosive. <laughs> um, but I've always been a sell short guy as opposed to a oversell guy. Um, even with my own son, like, you know, it, it appears that he is well on his way to being a, a college basketball player. And three years ago, the guys that we, there's two guys that I coach club with, and they were telling me the whole time, your son's going to play college ball, your son's going to play college ball. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced yet. You know, I'm, I've always been a sell short guy. Um, I think um, London played in the perfect system in, in college. Yeah. Um, he just signed in Greece nice. uh, yesterday, from what I understand. Um, DeAnthony was just a late bloomer. Like, it was hard to get DeAnthony in the gym to put up extra shots till his senior year. Whoa. Yeah. Like he, and, and then he learned that. And But DeAnthony's instincts were just elite across the board. Like, you know, you he's the same way at the pros. Like, you look at the numbers across the board, there's always three assists, six rebounds, a block, there's a little bit of two steals. Thing. All of a sudden, you look at that number at the end of this, and all of a sudden, he's, well, obviously in high school, is even more. Just did it all. Brandon was probably the one where I was like, yeah, he's got a shot. Because, mm. I mean, Brandon was basically recruited by everyone. Yeah. London was, Virginia was an upset. You know, his biggest two, USC offered, but this was well before they were, um, you know, it was the Kevin O'Neill era. Mm -hmm. Just okay. It wasn't the same. Washington State was on them. Uh, Illinois came in late. Which was obviously a, a Big Ten, a Big Ten school, but you know he goes to Virginia and blossoms and, and yeah. just plays in the perfect system. Uh, D'Anthony had one Power Five offer, right? One right. USC, and it came senior year, right? Or right it came right year. before senior year. Yep. And yep. being being the last man on the Cal Supreme EYBL team, yeah. and Jay Hart, yeah, Jay Hart saw it, yeah. Shout out. Jay Hart, you know, you, he saw it, and, you know, then dynamic freshman year, just kind of doing it all, Mr. Do-something, as they call it, or uh, something like that. But um, And then was injured most of his sophomore year. No, he was he was not injured. He was on that, he was he was suspended because he was involved with that coach's oh, thing. Oh, that's what happened. He, okay. was in, he, well, was in, he got suspended. So didn't play much. Didn't play his sophomore year at all. And still got drafted. Still got drafted. Funny story about DeAnthony getting drafted. So early on in the process, he's fringe green room guy, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's actually true. But <laughs> Toby Spino, you know Toby. Yeah. Toby was his middle, Toby and Toby's dad were his middle school coach and pushed him to Crespi. Toby and I are friends to this day. We spoke yesterday, yada, yada. And we're like, hey, D's going to get drafted. Let's go to the draft. Heck, Yeah. So we buy our tickets in May or April mm -hmm. for the June draft. Well, D starts sliding down. It's like three weeks before the draft, and he's a projected late first round, early second round. He goes to tell us he's not going to the draft. I'm like, what do you? <laughs> hey, you can sit in the stands with us. 
<laughs> you know, we're going. I'm not going. So me, Toby, and Toby's now wife were at the draft when D got drafted, and he wasn't. <laughs> oh, uh, man. With, uh, did he get his name? He got his name called, though. Yeah. 47th pick, Houston Rockets, second round. You should have walked on stage for him. I, I would have. I should have. <laughs> I would have walked on stage. I should have. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I should have. All right, we're going to get to the next part of our show. Um, I forgot the topic. My Rushmore. We're going uh, top four school, top four basketball schools in SoCal. College, 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 not UCLA, not USC. Okay. We're going to hit the next segment of our show, uh, My Rushmore. It's going to be your top four. We're going to go top four colleges in Southern California, not for, named UCLA or USC. For basketball. For basketball. So where, where, where would we wouldn't mind our kids going? Basically, exactly. Right? You have a two-year-old, so yeah. we got some time. Yeah. Uh, I've got a 17 and 11. Not as much time. Yeah. Am I first or are you first? You first. Well, Calu's number one. <laughs> I've already put that on the table for Peyton. Um, You've offered I, Peyton? I've offered NIL deal. <laughs> um, I've got a good relationship with his mom. <laughs> I've been denied. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. After that, I'd probably go... Uh, um, Point Loma's really good right now. They did get a new coach, but they've been really good for a while. I mean, a bunch of their guys go overseas pro. Uh, Point Loma's a D2 down in San Diego. Yeah. Um, uh, next on my list, I can't say any SkyX schools. That's our conference, the Southern California Intercollegiate mm -hmm. Athletic Conference. That's Calu's conference, so all of you guys are out. Um, <laughs> you get no shout-outs. Um, Pepperdine, um, I think Romar's a great dude. Uh, my wife went to Pepperdine, so we go on Calu one, Point Loma two, Pepperdine three, uh, UC Santa Barbara four. Ah, got it. Those are my four nine USC UCLA's. Why Santa Barbara? Close to home. Uh, they're good. They're good. Joe they're does a good job. Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe does a good job every year. They're consistently good. He's He's produced guys that play at the next level, whether it overseas or in the NBA. I mean, Gabe Vincent. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I mean, they've, they're good. Yeah. They're good. I like it. I'm comfortable with my choices. No, they're strong. <laughs> I would definitely send my kid to most of those. To most of those. So, my four, Pepperdine. I'm a huge Romar fan just because of, like you said, he, the human he is yeah. is next level. High level. From the first time I've met him, uh, probably 10 years ago. Or so, and I went to, this is before he was the coach. This is when Westfall was the coach, but went to a Pepperdine camp before I really knew what I was doing with in high school. It's like my freshman year, and so I always like liked it. But Romar, just who he is, um, developing pros. I think he does a great job, and just who he is as a person. Two, I'm going to go with um, it's a sleeper to me. I, I go with Fullerton College, the junior college. Barry is good. They've he been consistent. Yeah, he, he produces guys. He develops them. Um, you see a lot of Southern California talent go through there, yep. and and be you know being able to go to the next level. I'll, I'll, I'll sign off on that. Yeah, I'll and, sign uh, off on that. My good friend Tim Denson went to high school with him at Corona Santiago. This is years ago. Graduated like '04, but that's where Perry went. Yeah, to Corona Santiago. No, no, no. Tim Tim Denson, who played before Perry. It was okay. before Perry was coach, but before him, this is like an '04. Okay. He went there. Only undefeated 
team, California history, 33 and 0, and he was like the state MVP. But so that that uh, shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to him. He's in China now, training training CBA teams. But uh, three, I have to go Kalu because you're there. I've always admired your coaching. So yeah, we'll take it. Fanboying you while you're here. Um, we appreciate. And it. I would know my my kid to be in good hands and. Uh, well, you know, on the rise. Um, last one. I'm trying to really think about this. UC San Diego. Or, I mean, SDSU. San Diego State. Okay. San Diego State. Yeah. I love their, the pedigree. I think they have the, the uh, you know, there's Blue Bloods and then there's the Gonzagas. I think San Diego State's in that, not Wichita State of late, but they were in that for a while where, Hey man, like that's a basketball school, and I, I love. Um, yeah, I would love to live in I, San Diego. I, if I, I might, I might have to add them to my top four if I redo. Yeah, which I'm not gonna do. Yeah, but <laughs> San Diego State. They're, they're good. Is that, is that four? That's four. All right, good. I'm done. I didn't know I was gonna get through that, guys. <laughs> so um, next, where were you when a moment in basketball history that impacted you? We're gonna go to. Well, I know. I mean, I, I I got a couple, but I know exactly where I was when Christian Leitner hit his shot. Okay. Uh, 1992, sophomore year, Calu. I was in the uh, West Dorm. Not that anybody knows where that is, but <laughs> I was West Dorm, uh, watching the game. I remember, and I, even to this day, I'll I'll walk past that dorm sometimes with friends and go. That's where I was when uh, Christian Leitner hit the shot. I was in that dorm right there. Um, that's for sure. I know that one. You give me a couple of others, I might be able to. Uh, I will stick with that. And that's a, yeah, that's I think a that's a, probably one of the most well-known basketball yeah. moments in history. What was your immediate reaction after you hit the shot? Was it a celebration? A, an uh, I, I believe there was some jumping up and down, uh, ran um, <laughs> into the hallway. And when I jumped up, I think I hit my head on the door jam. <laughs> So you did have hopes. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> I did jump over a couple pieces of paper. For the record. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Christian Leitner, I was not watching basketball. I was six okay. at the time. Um, maybe not even six. I might have been five, about to be six. And um, but watching it as I got older, the you know, just the um, those moments of well, Christian Leitner was hated. Start there, so I watched the documentary. Thirty for thirty. Yeah, the thirty for thirty. That thing is like crazy. The everything leading up to that shot and him doing that, and um, the <laughs> I want to say the audacity of him to do that was awesome. Yeah. And uh, like we always talk about great players, and um, who is it? Uh, Rob Valentine came on the show, and he made a good point that we don't always celebrate the champions. We celebrate the people who were dogs, the Allen Iversons, no championships, but Carmelo Anthony. Like, we still respect their game and who they are as basketball players, even though they don't have rings. Um, He he had that to him with with the ring as well, though. So it's like you're going to respect that man forever because of that. This is something that we haven't really talked about yet. It's hard to win, man. Mm. I've said this to my team more than once it is really hard to win the higher you go up the harder it is to win it is really hard because you know a bunch of people are trying to stop you from doing it 
and hmm. including yourself sometimes. I mean, how many times we get in our own way? Yeah, uh, it's hard to win, and that's why you gotta you gotta enjoy it when it happens, and you gotta respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't just happen. You don't just win. You can just show up, hmm. and you can just play. But you, it doesn't matter what level it is. You don't just win. Right. You know, maybe. Maybe if you're at a really small school and you got an elite player and you can just show up and win, but um, you, know, you, you don't just show up and win. It's really, really hard to win. So, yeah, um, yeah we got to respect that. But just, just to, absolutely. And the, and I've always been a dy- like I've always appreciated and loved dynasties like um, on the course Tiger Woods, just his elite. Mental toughness. We talked about that earlier, and it was consistently winning through all of it. Um, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that. The the, um, the Patriots so good for so long. Mm-hmm. It's hard to win once, much less Multiple. twice, three times. Uh, it's really, really hard. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, that being said, you know, you've lauded me for our successes at Crespi, and I'll give the goods away. 13 years of Crespi, you know how many league championships we won? I'm gonna try to guess, hold on. Cause I know those these years. Have you won any? One. We won one. One. DJ, yeah. no? No, it was uh, Brandon and Taj senior year. Oh, wow. We won undefeated 2018. Whoa. I mean, the two years we won state, we didn't win league. Hmm. It's just really hard to win. That's the mission league for you, one, but two, yeah. really hard to it's win. It's really hard to win. Yeah. It's really hard to win. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, we're flipping the script. You're the interviewer. Okay. Two questions for me could be about anything. Um, long-term plan for Core Prep Academy. What a question to ask right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Fine. Sounds like there's uh, some things in the hopper. <laughs> no, so uh, long-term plan for Core Prep Academy. Um, this was built for a student-athlete, and it's always been about student-athletes. As student-athletes continue to develop, and uh, as long as we're creating a program where kids are able to see their goals and given a plan to reach them whatever that looks like. And so right now it's, you know, we're in two schools where we're able to give them the blueprint of how to be a good high school varsity player, kind of a college player. We give them that, that format. So, um, staying with those partner schools. What's your second school? Uh, St. Monica. Oh yeah. St. Monica been there. Uh, yeah, a year ago. Yeah. A year ago. It's our second year there. So, um, yeah. And then heritage, you know, just, uh, still it's, it's crazy. It's been going into our ninth year. And so really perfecting the, how we do stuff. Uh, we're different from the prep schools of the world where there's um, not the traditional setting of the classroom. We have a traditional setting in the classroom. We do things a certain way and I won't compromise that for anything when everyone else, you know, the, the hype would be for me to create a team out of core prep where no, we're just focused on the development of kids and getting them to a high school where they can be successful and those things are never change about core. And so ultimately, I just want to be the prototype for how middle school should be for student athletes. There you go. And so sure. if I could put a core prep, you know, in every major city in the country, partnered with a good private school, that'd be awesome. If I could give 
school is that blueprint of how do you make a traditional school setting the best environment for a student athlete and put those together. Biggest basketball impact in your life? Who? What? Biggest basketball impact. It would have to be. These my, questions haven't been asked before? No, these are great. These okay. are awesome. Yeah. Um, people always ask about my kids. Um, <laughs> these are good ones, though. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I feel bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. These are. Three questions? <laughs> three. We go three. No. Um, the, it would have to be the person who popped in my head right away. His name is Henry Woodard. So I started playing when I was 11, a little later to the game. Never really touched a basketball before that. Little street ball with my, my friend across the street. And um, he was my first NJB, which is, you know, your local park and rec, just yep. different. Um, and we went 10 and 0. Uh, we were 9 and 1. We had a forfeited game because of rotational issue in these leagues, whatever. We were 10 and 0. Really good team. That's a mark on you. Yeah. The biggest influence on my life were uh, Henry Woodard and Randy Cole. They had their sons playing on the team together. And of course, their sons were, you know, we had a 5'9", 11-year-old and the little guard who can go. And um, they taught me how to play basketball. That was my first experience with basketball, and they were real basketball coaches. So I got the fundamentals. We created from that team, we had the all-stars from there, and we were the only team with three kids. Three of us made that all-star team. That all-star team, about 70% of those kids became the Norco Tar Heels, which was a club team, you know, when club teams were only like one in the whole area. And uh, they became my club coaches. And um, yeah, the experience, I, I fell in love with the game. It's funny how the first person that really teaches you the game, because mine was Mike Dunlap. Yeah. And it was my college coach. and. Didn't really, I, I wasn't very good, so I didn't really matter to him, if that makes sense. Not, not that he doesn't care about me, but like he wanted to win. I wasn't the guy who was going to impact winning, except for being a great practice player. But man, what I, what I picked up from him, I mean, the influence that he had on me as a coach, uh, and he was the first person that really showed me what it meant to be a coach, and like your guy, like it's your first coaches my first real coach like yeah. that's and that's the impact we can have you know yeah. that's the impact we can have if we do it right 24 second shot clock tell the people whatever you want to tell them uh it's definitely Kalu games or anything else that message you have for the people that's your camera there got 24 seconds what's the shot clock in d3 30. you still get 24 let's go okay. <laughs> Division three basketball is underrated. You need to check it out if you're interested in playing college ball. Um, focus on being the best person and player you can be every day. Uh, it'll work itself out. You'll get to where you're supposed to go. Love it. You know, you're not. It's not about the hype or whatever. Maybe you're, if you're good enough, they'll find you. You'll go where you need to go. May not be when you want it, but it'll happen. So, uh, all comes down to work and approach every day. Awesome. Russell White, ladies and gentlemen. Todd, Todd Wilson, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. That was yeah, fun. Thanks. Absolutely. That was fun. Thanks, guys. Tune in next time. Peace.